we interrupt our regularly scheduled programming for a Channel 3 special report. They should have watched our show. They should have watched our show. Maybe you should watch our show. I'm Gene Sisko, film critic of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Roger Ebert, film critic of the Chicago Sun-Times. Our full-time job is going to the movies. So join us this fall for At the Movies, the movie review program. Saturday nights at 6.30 here on Channel 9. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what are we going to have the Vic Magnolia episode? Vic, what's that guy's name again, Chris? Vic Magnuson? I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> oh, come on. What are you? What, how high were you when we were talking about that? Remember when, when we watched the uh, the sequel to Who Mourns Adonis? This, hello. Oh, your boyfriend are you talking about? Oh, is that, about that, that like a fan film? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're oh, swooning over. Yeah, the dreamy guy. swooning. You're I'm telling you, he looks just him, like. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. It's it's a man crush. Why am I supposed to remember his name? You're the one who's writing his name over and over in your notebook. <laughs> Mr. Dr. Bill Robinson. Dr. Bill Magnuson. <laughs> Power lifter. I think we found our opener. <laughs> there you go, guys. Uh, thank you for stepping into that one, Doc. Uh, yeah, I got to clean my shoe off. <laughs> Stepped into another one. Back to the bin. All right. Hold on. <coughs> la, 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 la. Okay. La. Hold on. Uh, we didn't get a lie out of you, McGregor. Hey, what? Sorry. I need a <laughs> la. Guests, guests have to do their Arnold la, and you've never done one. I'm, what do I have to do? La, 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 la. No, tuning up to sing. La, 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 la. Oh, that was bad. That was, that was, uh, la 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 uh, la la la. I, that was uh, that was worse than DJ's. That was me. Sorry. That sounds like Animal from the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, la, la, la. <laughs> I could live with that. <laughs> All right. Hey everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. This is our special Thor: The Dark World review episode, and I am joined by my usual sidemen, Doctor Bill Robinson. I say the nay. <laughs> and Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? Going good. And we have two special guests with us today. Mr. Chris Honeywell. Hey, how's it going? Going good, thank you. And Scott 2.0 McGregor. Good evening. Or morning, depending on when you're listening to this. Or midday, Day. perhaps. So we're here to talk Thor the Dark World. We've already done our uh, shameless obligatory episode, but today we're here to talk about the movie and how it went. Uh, I think we're going to treat this like we did our roundtable episodes and give everybody a shot at just giving their basic review. And then once everybody's given their thumbnail, then we'll, we'll open up the floor and, and have a, a discussion of it. 
So why don't we jump right into it? And on my screen, Chris Honeywell, you are the first picture, so I'm throwing it out to you. Okay. Um, I thought this movie was a hot mess in the best sense of the word, <laughs> and not even and not even like you know it was a guilty pleasure or something. It was just all over the place. But it was all over the place in a way where it, it understood that it was, and it was just plain fun, you know, from the from from beginning to end. There were a few. I have a few quibbles with it. I think um, I was very happy that the majority of it took place in Asgard this time, and the stuff on Earth was a little bit awkward. You know, the the stuff on Earth was just not as intriguing and engaging as Asgard which fortunately they keep you on Asgard and then at the end by the time you get to the end and you're on Earth again everything's gone piss wacky so it's just a, it's almost a free for all and it's just I love walking out of there's sort of a sense of accomplishment when you walk out of for Marvel when I walk out of another one and go up oh, they did it again you know and like Thor and the 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 Iron Man movies it's not like something that's going in my pantheon of all-time greatest superhero movies but it goes in there with just like completely successful superhero movies it's the Marvel movies are seeming more and more like a comic book all the time and it's feeling more and more like a fleshed out Marvel comic universe and I couldn't be happier. I had a lot of fun at this movie, and that's what these movies are designed to do, and they're doing it 100%. That's my five-minute review. Cool. You you did your five-minute review in two minutes. Ooh. (laughs) Why don't you just slide the the microphone right over to Scott and let him uh, give us his his thumbnail sketch? Uh, Surely. Um, This is going to sound a lot like uh, Chris's, because, yeah, just... uh, ton of fun at this movie and um didn't miss that we didn't see it in 3d i'd read that it didn't really add much to it and i almost regretted it because there were some balls out great action and space fantasy scenes in this i mean the uh you could definitely see on the screen where where they got a little more handed to them in the budget this time around you know now that they had that uh, billion dollars buffer that the uh, avengers made for marvel studios um, you can tell they put the releases on the uh, checkbook a little bit more from the first one. Um, so I like the uh, grander scale of it. Um, I just love how I'm like a, I'm conflicted schools because I love kind of the serious take on superheroes too. And I do enjoy what DC did with Batman and all that to an extent and what they almost did with Man of Steel (laughs) to an extent but never as enthusiastically as I enjoy these uh, Marvel movies and I just love how Thor 2 kind of uh, embraced the whole you know they're just moving more and more into just embracing the cosmic sillier aspects Mm -hmm. not even just silly but more just way out there aspects of the marvel universe and not really being apologetic for it at all and just be like here's this weird fantasy world enjoy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, there are good actors and good directors to to present it and uh uh just a couple i'm not even quibbles i i actually didn't mind natalie park portman 
as much in this one as I did the first one. She's not doing a bad job, in my opinion, in the part, but I just, meh, you know, it's just not really thrilling me. And I love her as an actress, you know, when she does serious stuff, but really just kind of could be anybody in that role. As Scott and I were saying during our Thor commentary yesterday, yeah. throw a few Five Guys cheeseburgers her way and well, yeah. start talking <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, yeah, that's part of it for me, too. I just don't really see, I think, you know, Thor should be with Sif. That's, you know, the school I'm in anyway. But um, other than that, as I said, it's just uh, it, Tom Hiddleston, you know, knocked Loki out of the park again, and it's just... Um, uh, all actors, really. Um, unfortunately, the, the plot itself was almost as throwaway as Natalie Portman, in my opinion, unfortunately. But it didn't really hurt the story. It just was kind of, you know, I can't even remember the finer details of it. And there was a lot going on. I love the end, too, and I love the humor. And I had this thought after seeing it, and particularly since it was set in the British Isles. But the whole last scene... Or last scenes where they're just blipping through different dimensions just felt like the superhero equivalent of a Benny Hill chase to me. I mean, and it was just hilarious on that kind of level almost. Yeah, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Where everyone's yeah, just. Yeah, exactly. It's like those hallway chases where everybody's coming out the doors and all of a sudden the people who are chasing the other people are being chased by the other people. And Yeah, it was yeah. just. Right out of Scooby Kinetic and just intense and, and hilarious. And I love the. That the humor sequence gave me all their personality too. <laughs> yeah. To, as much as you could to a, a hammer. Yeah, yeah. It was sweet and, and well done. And like the peripheral characters, like you know, uh, what's her name, Cat Dennings, Darcy, and you know, they definitely added to the humor well and had a little more to do. But again, it was uh, just love the look of it. And I've gone way too long, so I'll just definitely give you know, Milnior's up as far as my review for Thor two. Alright, cool. Doctor Bill, the floor is yours. All right. Uh... Yeah, I don't want to seem like it's a Natalie Portman bashing fest. I, I oh, really... go ahead and bash. I, I <laughs> don't mean... bash too hard because she's very skinny and fragile. I don't know. She just didn't do anything for me. And and I actually had a little discussion like this at work because somebody asked me. They said, uh, "Oh, did you see Thor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the only thing I didn't like her as an actress or a, as a woman. Which I said that right talking to one person and there's another woman in between us and she looks and says well I don't appreciate that I'm like well I didn't ask you I was talking to the other guy fast <laughs> so anyway that that went over real well That's well I never yeah. and Adam you probably <laughs> never believe... will exactly so yeah but I came out of this I was uh, I had the same feelings as when I came out of Iron Man uh, 3 I felt pretty good except for I, I would have liked to have seen maybe a little less makeup on Christopher uh, Eccleston. Eccleston so that he could have maybe... I, I mean, I don't know. He's just like... I would have liked to have seen more of his actual face than the elf makeup, you know, because I, I like him as an actor, and I wish I could have seen him more. And uh, as also the guy that plays his right hand in that. I cannot pronounce his name, so I won't even try. The character he played was Curse when he turns in with the stone and makes him the last berserker guy. I uh, I've liked him in other shows. He was actually Mr. Echo on Lost. If anybody's seen Lost, if you didn't realize that's who that actor was underneath all the makeup, because you couldn't tell who was underneath all the makeup. But um, overall, again, it, it was good. 
Um, I did think the end was kind of crazy, but it, it, it still, you know, it was it was a lighthearted movie. Um, another little nit- nitpick I had was that they kind of ditched Hogan at the beginning of the movie. You know, okay, why don't you uh, stay here? You've you've worked hard, my friend. We don't need you. All right, ditch this guy. And now the Warriors Three is just actually Warriors Three instead of Warriors Three plus Sith. Um, we had the replacement of Fanfear. Did I pronounce that right? Fandral. Fandral. Sorry, my oh Tom Harris will shoot me, or he'll kill me in his next book. Tom Fear, master the panpipes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, Zachary Levi from Chuck, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought he he was okay, although he was briefly not really in it that long. Edris Elba, great as always. Um, and do we want to talk about the end credit sequence now, or do a review? Okay, I was blown away because I stayed away from all spoilers, and when I Have saw we that it... mentioned spoilers, by the way, did we say that? Oh, absolutely. Yet? If anybody's listening to this and they have not seen the movie yet, turn it off. Jump out now. Go see yeah. the movie. And then come back and listen to the rest of this. Somebody remind me to talk about the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, too. Tie-in. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we could talk about that when we get to the roundtable. Sorry, Bill. I didn't mean to to walk over you, buddy. I just wanted to make sure that we threw that out there ahead of time, because I sure would hate to spoil anything for anybody, because I I thought this actually had one of the better tag sequences in it. I I meant to step all over you and and ruin your review. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. No, I, I, I... Like I said, I purposely stayed away from all spoilers this time. I didn't read anything because I had a major spoiler before I went into Avengers, you know, uh, and spoiler here, if you didn't know, Coulson died, supposedly. Oh. I, guess we'll, I guess we'll get to that when we talk about Marvel Shield. Um, but uh, I did not expect to see the Collector. In, I, I knew he was that Del Toro was going to be playing the collector but i didn't expect to see it here now the set they were on looked kind of thrown together like straight out of 80s doctor who (laughs) i mean and there was a lot of weird in the background but i was just blown away to see the collector and now we have the understanding possibly that the infinity gems are not really quote-unquote gems but in this marvel universe they're stones so um and then the other final credit sequence was you know wasn't really worth hanging around all the way but yeah, it was our, it was it was okay thor comes back and we see the little uh what was that an ice troll dog chasing birds yeah something like that. yeah so i mean i had a good time i took ben we laughed we cried i kissed 25 bucks or more goodbye good it was it was a fun friday night <laughs> and that's my review in probably more than five minutes i'm not sure how long it was but we did interrupt you so uh no problem there over to you, Scott. Oh, okay. Um, well, you guys have hit on a couple of things already that uh, that play heavily into my, you know, if I have to give just a five-minute review of it. Um, Chris mentioned Hot Mess. Hot Mess, to me, has a lot more negative connotation than how I feel about this movie, but it's yeah, not I that far that was- off. I thought that was a poor choice, too, because I didn't want to make it sound like, you know, I was enjoying it despite it being a mess. It was, right. it's like Buckaroo Banzai hot mess. Yeah. Right. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. 
I'll put it this way. I'm, you know, I'm going to shamelessly shill and plug for um, the review that Chris and I, or excuse me, not review, but a commentary that Chris and I just recorded for the original Thor, the first Thor movie, um, because I think we covered a lot of things there. But the reason I want to mention that here is that, honestly, and you can hear it in that commentary, I have one criticism, one, for the original Thor. This one? I'm pretty evenly split. I took a lot of notes, and I'm pretty evenly split on both good things about the movie, you know, things that I liked versus things that I have a problem with. So just on that level, um, I really I really wish I had the time and money to go see this one more time because what Bill said about Iron Man 3, I, I had the same kind of feeling walking out of this movie as I had walking out of Iron Man 3, which was, did I like that? You know, I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. But once I walked out, I was like, not so much did I like that because I did. It was more of, was that what I wanted? I was a little bit disappointed, I have to be honest. But I had the same feeling walking out of Iron Man 3 is like, eh, that just wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. But then I went a couple of days later and watched it again. I was like, okay, I, second time around, I like it a lot better because then my expectations were more in line. I knew what, what I was going to be seeing. And so I, I've been trying to gauge myself as like, is it the movie or is it my expectations? Because one of the reasons I loved the first Thor was I went in with horrible expectations. I thought it would be a train wreck of a movie. I just thought there's no way in hell they can translate this character that I love so much to the silver screen and make it work. And they did, and I loved it. I thought it was awesome. This time around, despite every effort I made, I went in with high expectations. I knew that I shouldn't, and I tried not to, but I still went in with crazy high expectations just because I loved the first one so much. And, and this one kind of let me down a little bit. It just wasn't quite as good as I was hoping it was going to be. But that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it or that it wasn't a good movie because I thought it was a hell of a lot of fun. And, uh, and I agree with what Scott McGregor said that, man, I wish DC movies felt more like this. Which is, you know, something we brought up during the commentary, so I don't want to belabor that point. But I really wish they were, because I walk away from these movies just going, damn, that was a lot of fun. I had, I had a good time while I was watching it, and it's not till later sitting around or talking with my friends that I start to pick them apart, you know? But, uh... <laughs> That's when yeah. the friends start. That's when we can all get together and ruin it for exactly. each other, right? <laughs> then exactly. those how it should have ended, friggin' yeah. videos. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, the honest point. trailers. They'll be the mm -hmm. first yeah. ones against the wall when the revolution comes. But there, there was a lot of, I liked about it. I, I'm looking forward to us getting into the, you know, into the the likes and dislikes. But uh, one I have to mention right out of the gate is exactly what Bill said. I had no idea that the collector was even going to be a character in these movies. Um, and when he popped, I mean, when that woman introduced him and said, you know, gave his name and then said, and I was just like, I was geeking so hard. I mean, just seriously nerding out in the theater, like, holy shit, it's oh. the friggin' collector. I was like, that's awesome. I mean, it really blew me away because, I mean, yeah, he's a minor character, but, I mean, it's just somebody, and I think it, I think it was you, Chris, has said repeatedly, you know, what kind of weird-ass reality are we suddenly living in when Rocket Friggin' Raccoon is going to make it to the, the big screen in a major exactly. movie before, Marvel's like, say, Wonder Woman? All in with the craziness, and it's... Yeah. 
going to sink or swim because it's there's going to be no middle ground on stuff like oh, that. Oh, they're doing the backstroke. <laughs> yeah. They're doing like what, what, what was her name who did the like water ballet? You know, they're 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 yeah they're they're not floating. They got a boat now. Yeah, I'm loving it. Oh, that was that was Esther Williams that did Esther the water Williams. ballet. Esther Williams. I wanted to say Ethel Merman, <laughs> but I didn't know <laughs> Ethel Mermaid. Bill, don't you do a uh... Y'all be Y'all be great. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Scott, when when I saw the collector, and here now we're stepping all over your review, but I I, oh, I don't want to look. When I saw him, I literally, because most of the people had le- left the theater. I'm like, where are you going, dummies? Yeah, <laughs> and I I literally gasped. I went, the collector, and I tu- and I turned to my son, who you know he's well, I don't know how old he is because I can never remember <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I know his birthday's on the third, I think he's. Oh, no, he has a birthday every yeah. year. That's I'm yeah, pretty sure right. he's going to be 11, Bill. Yeah, I don't know. No, I <laughs> think he's 11 now. But it's 22, anyway. Bill. <laughs> Have him I, write it on the name tag you make him wear to keep his name straight. This is the point in the uh, in the editing process where I put in "cats in the cradle." I was just going to say, <laughs> "Cats in the cradle is a silver spoon, man." Little boy blue and the man in the moon, Bill. <laughs> There you go. That's that. a song you can make and dedicate to me. All right. But uh, so, so I turn, turn to Ben and I'm like, "That's the collector. Look, like he's gonna know." <laughs> he's, he's like, like "Great, uh, Dad." <laughs> I'm like, "Why?" And he's like, "Really? Wow, we're great. Who, who is this crazy man?" So uh, I mean, because for me, I first, my first exposure to the collector was from the Korvac saga, because he starts out in the beginning of that. So I was like, "Oh, wow, the collector." Oh, so anyway, back to you, Scott. Sorry. I mean that, that that was pretty much all I had right now because I could go on and on and on, but I, I'm anxious for us to get into you know just that sort of thing. You know what did we like, what didn't we like, that that sort of thing. Amazing so I mean I definitely give it you know the thumbs up. I definitely enjoyed it. I, I'm I'm glad that I went to see it. I'm sure that it, you know I'm going to enjoy it that much more on sub- subsequent rewatches. But um, you know initial reaction was eh not quite as good as the first one is essentially how I, I would sum it up. Okay, before I get into my review, I just picture you telling uh, Ben about uh, the collector and him saying, yeah, that's good, Dad, and then turning to the person next to him and miming like drinking out of a bottle or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be scary considering he was facing the wall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I, I think this re- this overall review show is not going to have some of the heated, heated exchanges that we've had on some of the other ones because I don't think any of us stray too far from the other's opinions. Uh, to the point where we're going to have any kind of real issues, and I'm going to try not to be too repetitive on it. But I'm, uh, I, Scott, you pretty much hit it right on the the nose for me. Going into it, my expectations got too high, and I was a little bit let down by it. I didn't think it was a bad movie, and I expect, like Iron Man three, if you remember, we reviewed that on Comics Monthly Monday, and I said that I was underwhelmed by it. But eventually, I saw it on home video, and I watched it on, at home, and I liked it a lot at home, and mm-hmm. and. This has the same kind of feel to me, that it's it's not a small movie in the way of the special effects or the scope of the story, but when you compare it to a movie like The Avengers, it does have a much more small, uh, a, a concentrated story to it 
that I think actually will play better on the smaller screen. And I don't mean small screen like, you know, you're going to watch it on your iPod. I mean, you know, a 50-inch TV set, you know, but I think it will play well that way. But, you know, I was somewhat underwhelmed by it. I'm going to just hit on a few of the positives that I thought were in the movie, and then I'll hit on some of the negatives. I thought Chris Hemsworth was engaging and charming in the role, but I thought he was dwarfed by the engagingness engagingness and charmingness of uh, Tom Hiddleston. I thought he stole the movie even though he was in it for uh, a much lesser screen time. Uh, I liked uh, Mr. Echo as a uh, curse. Uh, the, the comedy exchanges, just back to Hemsworth and, and uh, Hiddleston, the comedy exchanges that the two of them had, I thought was the way comic relief should be in, in a movie like this. Uh, I thought they did a good job of, of having the smaller roles each have the kind of their on-the-screen moment. Uh, Idris Elba, Ray Stevenson, Rene Russo, and in particular, Jamie Alexander. I really think they need to focus more on her as Sif because I think that she might be a gem in hiding as far as her acting ability. Plus, she's kind of hot. I don't uh, know what to make of it, but I saw a rumor the other day, I think it was on Yahoo News, that she's being considered for her own solo movie. I have no idea if that rumor is true or not, but... Right off the top of your head, couldn't there. you see her as Wonder Woman? Yeah, that's I could actually. push it for, yeah. Or yeah, I actually could. She's basically made it known, I think, that she'd be interested if someone's interested in her. I think she'd make a hell of a Donna Troy myself. Because she looks a little bit young to be Wonder Woman, but I think she she could be a phenomenal Don, Donna Troy, who well, I always like better than Wonder Woman anyway. But I always think it's good to cast those parts a little young, because you know you're going to do at least three movies if you're successful, and by the That's time you true. get to the third, you hate to have them yeah. in the tooth. She's That's by the true. time you get to in development, for Christ's sakes, you know, you're going to add a year or two. Right. All right, so back to this. Uh, I thought the opening battle that they had uh, shows kind of what, could have been a little bit with the movie and I thought it was a little disappointing that the final boss battle in the movie wasn't as good as that. I loved the cameo by the Saturn Man from the original Journey into Mystery uh, comic and I think the best moment of the entire film was the cameo by Captain America. I I just thought that was absolutely awesome. Did you hear his theme in the music? No, I didn't. Because people were laughing so hard when he came on that it was hard to even hear his dialogue. Because it's funny, because I've been listening to the soundtrack of it, and uh, you know, in in bits and pieces, but I hadn't given it a full listen through um, until the day I was headed to the theater to see it. And shortly before I parked my car to go in, I'm listening to it, and all of a sudden I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" And I, I rewound it, and I'm like, "That cat, that's Captain America's theme." So it's cool because it kind of spoiled me on the fact that well, Cap must be in there because they're playing his theme. But I had no context for it. So, you know, then that moment comes up and it, it is Cap, but it's not really Cap. I thought it was really neat. But yeah, they actually, for just a, just a little snippet, uh, Brian Tyler, that did the score for this movie, actually played a little bit of the Captain America theme from Sylvester. So I thought that was really neat because up till now, we hadn't really gotten that with these Marvel movies. And that was one of the things that's been bugging me is that not only do the characters really have their own distinct themes because so far every movie has been scored by a different composer but cap is the one that arguably does have a theme and to hear it carried over to another movie was actually really cool they did it briefly in the avengers too but only because that was also scored by sylvester right well that also goes into what we were talking about the other night at the on the thor commentary about how 
you know, as these movies progress, they're integrating more of the whole universe into each movie. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a little more bleed through in there, you know, and probably we'll see more and more as time goes on. As long as they do it judiciously, like they did in this movie, then I love it. It's, it's when well, they when they hammer you over the head with it that I don't like it. They're they're seeming to be really good about that. There seems it seems that they they know. It seems like they're using some restraint, you know. Yeah, just in in you know I don't want to wander too far, and I'll get back to my review in a minute. But sometimes on the Shield TV show, when I've watched it, they have some comments in there that seem that they're forced in by the writers to say, <laughs> "Hey, we're the same universe. We just want to let you know," as yeah, opposed to seeming yeah. natural. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you on that, Paul. I've been it's been a pet peeve of mine for the TV show. Okay, so just just to to kind of try and. Uh, Bring mine to a wrap-up, hopefully soon enough, so that we can actually talk about the movie. Uh, I've heard a lot of criticism from a lot of different sources on the uh, the opening end credit scene with the collector. You know that it, that the that he's overacting in it, and that the set seems cheap, as Dr. Bill mentioned. Uh, as a geek fan of that stuff, I was just blown away by it, and I loved it. I think it could be a really fun movie, but. I do fear that it's not going to translate well to the non-geek community. That they're just going to look at it and say it's you know a road too far. So that's that's my only uh, apprehension on that scene. Uh, to get to the negatives that I have on the movie, uh, I thought the second post-film sequence really just fell flat, and I couldn't have cared less about what they showed except for the giant frost giant dog but the whole thing with Thor coming back to Natalie Portman I just couldn't have cared less Uh, my personal biggest negative about the movie was Kat Dennings I can't stand her I don't think she's funny I felt like they forced her into the movie Uh, too much of a not good thing yeah the stupid subplot with her and the intern was just really bothered you mean Rory? is that his name? I don't know no from from the trailer to this movie he reminds me too much of Rory from Doctor Who, and so seeing and seeing him in this and the part that he played, I was like, "Is that intentionally what they're going for?" Because that's really what it felt like. And both of those characters were easily excised from this movie. They stole way too much screen time, and they were flat annoying every time they were on screen. Yeah. So and and word is yeah, that they actually you. had some pre release screenings and she was testing over the top that the people loved her and they actually added more of her in at the expense of other actors and and i, I just think that was a huge mistake uh, uh you know the humor that she added to it was just so forced and corny whereas like i said the interplay between loki and uh, and thor was actually clever and and you know, it, it, there was funny stuff in there, especially like the Captain America moment, but it was just so well done, and it, it shows you in the same movie how you can do it right and wrong. Uh, I thought Natalie Portman was just bland. I think she's just there as eye candy and no more. She's not believable as a physicist at all. Uh, and I also agree, Sif is just better. Uh, that's who Thor should be with. Uh, they made Stellan Skarsgård seem like a buffoon, and I think he's a pretty good actor, and, and I really just couldn't handle that I, I didn't like that the whole naked thing was just stupid as far as i was concerned uh yeah but but he is supposed to be crazy i mean he is yeah, he's, he's, he's supposed uh, to be a little off his meds you know i mean he they, they kind of established that a little bit yeah i guess i 
kind of had a dignity about him in the last movie, and it was and, and in the Avengers gone. when he was on the local yeah. spell. I thought I, I know a lot of crazy people, and very few of them get naked on a regular basis like that too. There you so. go. Another fine actor is Anthony Hopkins, but I kind of felt like he mailed in his part in this movie. I didn't really get much out of it. And to me, the worst part of the movie isn't because it was so awful, but just because it's such a pivotal thing. I thought they really kind of wasted the whole Malekith thing. Uh, another actor with real good geek cred is you know Chris Eccleston, and uh, they they just made him boring and two dimensional. They didn't give him a background. He's just you know I, I want to destroy the universe, and that was it. You know it, it didn't really have any resonance, and and it it actually made the whole threat to the universe almost seem run of the mill. So overall, I would just say I liked it, but it left me with a lot, you know, left a lot to be desired as far as I was concerned. It could have been... He, he was basically Nero from the first Star Trek Exactly. Reboot. Exactly. He was a very yeah. two-dimensional character. Yeah. And that's that's my review overall. So now we could throw it out to the group and pick topics and let's have at it. I'd like to touch on the, the first you know, jumping to the end of the movie, but the uh, the whole Guardians of the Galaxy thing and and the gamble that Thor was in the first place by Marvel Studios to kind of sell this concept of a big really large, you know, superhero universe that is the Marvel Universe that has all these really wacky cosmic things going on and um, I kind of have the fear too that it won't the Guardians, you know, could sink it or, you know sink or swim time basically and that, uh is there enough of us hardcore geeks that want to see the Infinity Gauntlet saga, you know, um, going to be able to keep this these huge movies afloat? Uh, yeah, but I don't I don't think we're going to see a, the Infinity Gauntlet, in, I believe, until Avengers 3. Yeah, we may see the next gem, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're not going to see the Gauntlet next. Guardians is going to be centered around, basically, and I, I just love it that they're doing it. I just hope they the machine can sustain itself. I personally <laughs> think just the fact that they are doing it means that they, that there's something up there. Like, they got whoever pitched it was like, here's a fantastic... And somebody said, oh yeah, this sounds great. Yeah. So hopefully it's... Hopefully they did it because they had a really good idea for it. Because otherwise, yeah, it's like who Joe theater goer isn't going to know who any of those no, characters no. are the rocket raccoon. Even if you don't know who rocket raccoon is and you see a picture of him, I would be intrigued by that, well, yeah. that character in a live action movie with people. And, but I suspect you know, they're not ready enough on this CGI with rocket raccoon to have put him at the end yet. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I mean I loved I actually love the uh, sets and I love Benicio del Toro in that too and it was just like yeah anybody who doesn't hasn't read that those characters will probably think it's just I had no idea what, what the hell let me let me, let me uh, pitch a scenario to you now I know this is not realistic because Guardians is the next movie and what I'm talking about isn't coming up until the next wave after Avengers two mm-hmm. but wouldn't the end sequence have had so much more resonance with you if you saw Sif and Volstagg walking through the streets of New York, and they walked up to a mansion in uh, Greenwich Village, and they knock yeah. on the door, and Wong <laughs> answers the door, and lets yeah, them in, yeah. and they go I in and give the gem to Doctor Strange. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's got to be coming soon. I mean, they, they're yeah. definitely always talking Scott, about Scott, you don't like that one? 
I hate Doctor Strange. I that that is a movie honest. that's coming up. He is people. so dull to me. I well, that's just... the thing is maybe they by the hoary do... host of Haggard. Maybe they can do maybe they can do something with Doctor Strange though. They'll probably get Johnny Depp. <laughs> See the the oh, thing with please, no, the thing that no. really worked for me with this scene was that it okay. it it helped alleviate a little bit of my disappointment with the fact of you know for one Iron Man three and I know it's not fair to criticize the movie for not living up to a personal expectation of mine, <laughs> but I really seriously expected the end whether the end of the movie or a tag scene at the end of Iron Man three to tie directly into Guardians and when it didn't when it didn't do that I was both deeply disappointed but also deeply confused i'm like how do they expect to launch guardians if they don't tie it in to one of you know the core avengers properties because like you say there's going to be so many people that are not going to know what the hell is going on so it seemed like it was a perfect thing to have iron man introduce you to these to these characters and for whatever reason they they didn't go that way so I thought, all right, Thor 2 has got to do that because Thor is a cosmic character. So there you go. It was a natural progression. And well, it Thor's does and it the, doesn't. Thor's mm-hmm. been the test balloon all along for like the cosmic Marvel universe. Yeah. And, and, and it's so, great that it's gone because, you know, I, Thor 2 really is thought... just weird and trippy and Walt Simonson bizarre and Kirby-esque bizarre and, you know. My, my, uh, caramel heroes. So somehow I end up doing a pitch for the uh, tag scene on every on every movie review that we do, but uh, but my my tag scene for Iron Man three would have been that something happens at the end that he's he's out in space you know doing something to an asteroid or whatever that they've asked him to you know do to help keep Earth safe, and then you cut to the Guardian ship where their scanners catch him mm-hmm. out there, and they start questioning who is that. They don't even necessarily have to interact with him, but you just cut to the ship where they see him somehow something along right. those lines and just you just tie it into anything the shield tv show for god's sakes they've already used basically iron man three plot points in the you know the shield tv show yeah they had the extremist arch uh oh. the extremists uh in well, the first actually, episode one of the, the ongoing three or four plots they've got going on that they well, don't know what to do with i mean the, the collector scene definitely worked for me in the sense of, for one thing, I liked the kind of cheesiness of the set because it was a throwback to like 60s Star Trek or 60s Doctor Who. I, I liked that feel to it. And it was like, yeah, this is kind of lived in looking and, and a little bit cheesy around the edges. Plus, well, I can't he's wait a collector. to get it on he... DVD and, and be able to really, you know, dig into what's in the background, you know, and really try to cipher out the things that were in that collection. So for me, as you know, a geek and a, and a lover of this material, it totally worked. But as a bridge for the non-geeks that are just getting into this stuff because it's cool, is it enough, you know, to bridge the existing universe to this whole new what is going to be to them an, an entirely new facet of it with the with the Guardians? And I don't think it is. I don't think it's enough to to be that bridge. So. Yeah, I'm I'm now a little bit worried about Guardians too. I mean, I'm sure I'll love it, but it needs to be loved by more than just you know the hardcore geeks. You yeah, know, you, these you movies... can't 
you can't have it just be the people who buy comics. Well, well, I think exactly. they've they've already demonstrated uh, a skill for writing stories that are accessible to Joe public. You know that that well somehow... accessible is one thing, but you got to get asses in the seats. I mean, everybody says that John well, Carter was a phenomenal movie, but nobody went to see it, and yeah, I worry but... about the same thing with uh, yeah. with Guardians. Uh-huh. You know, and that was the Disney video machine. Mm-hmm. John Carter won. They didn't give it a good. They just killed it just with the name for one. Yeah. But I mean. I don't know. I think there's now. I think there's a reputation with Marvel movies, and if they and when is it coming out? When is it's? Well, Which one, Captain America or Guardians? Cap. I don't yeah, think they've given a Cap, formal no. release date for it, but I okay. think we're looking at uh, either late in the summer or in the fall. Yeah, they if they get it in a point where it's the like big, where it's like a big action movie without. You know, competing with some other huge, you know, tentpole movie at the time. There's just, I think you can almost divide theater goers into are they going on a date? Are they a bunch of guys going out to see shit blow up mm-hmm. and fly around? And, you know, they know now that there's a big audience for spaceships flying around and shooting things mm-hmm. and blowing up. And. Plus, I think Marvel's betting to a certain extent that uh, the audience is you know we're in the Google age so I mean they throw out these and it's been going on since Iron Man you know if you went to see Iron Man you know on word of mouth but you weren't necessarily a Marvel Comics fan you're not going to know who Nick Fury is when he shows up at the end of the movie but you know you're going to ask somebody or see a story about it on you know well if you stick with it on the internet news yeah you're going to wiki it so no, I'm just saying if you keep yeah. watching the movies, he you you he becomes yep. the character that yep. you see in the movies and that's who and then Nick Fury is a character in the public consciousness. Yeah, and that's that, actually a really good point cuz that's how I made my way through all the cosmic cuz I was never into the cosmic stuff as I've, you know, made no secret of. But when I started reading up on all the cosmic stuff in preparation for Guardians, I mean, that's how I did it. If I didn't know what the hell was going on and, you know, five minutes on Wikipedia, and it's like, okay, now, I, now I'm back on, you know, up to speed mm-hmm. with the story. So but, that's a good point. But let's be fair. Yeah. You're, you're not the average moviegoer that they're looking for. You probably would at least have a mild interest in finding out about it no matter what. Right. Just, yeah. just because it's a comic movie. You, I'm not saying you're guaranteed that you're going to go and put your butt in the seat, but you're going to at least give it a look and and say is it something i want to see whereas you know somebody who's not necessarily into the geek culture might not even give it that open-minded look right right off the bat and i think you're really i think you're taking a risk if this is your marketing ploy to throw the collector at the end of it and think well everybody's going to be intrigued by it i mean it's it seems very similar to what they did at the Avengers with Thanos, but Thanos is only going to be the big bad in a movie. He's not the box office draw. Right. Right. And I mean, it's the same thing with the collector, but but the box office draw of the Guardians of the Galaxy is not, there's no household names there. Well, certainly and, not and, their and, only, you know, tool in the toolbox, but I mean, I think they are relying on that to a certain extent. Well, they're, they're, you know, 
they know that they're going to grab a few more people like that at least the, the if whole, they leave these little breadcrumbs. Well, those breadcrumbs and those things, yeah. they're at the end of the credits. Yeah. Joe, moviegoer's gone by then. Oh, uh, but it's word of mouth now is everyone sticking around for him. Mean, well, yeah, no, I'm surprised at how many people I saw walking out of the theater was, before there, we got Yeah. There was yeah, almost... I, I mean, maybe 10% of the theater was still there. Everybody else was gone. And, oh, yeah. and and there was people behind me, and they're like, well, should we go? And I just turned and said, yeah, you need to stay until the very end of the movie. There's two credit scenes. You, you don't oh, want to hear okay. about the people behind us we, or the person behind us. <laughs> oh, we were boy. hoping he was going to. We had we had like a schizophrenic guy behind <laughs> it, like yeah. shaggy, you know, Grizzly Adams looking guy in a dirty hospital gown he type thing. Just sitting there doing talking. ongoing commentary through the yeah. entire movie. <laughs> Luckily, because you go to back theater. up theaters, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, Do you think great. Marvel's been doing a? Uh, okay, they released this in what was this? Early November, and Cap comes out in April. I think mm-hmm. they're picking dates that are normally not the big release times. So that, right. that way, their movie can actually get some people they're, in they're, there. They're the only because, game in town. Yeah. yeah, because there's nothing else going. I mean, Thor is made up to. Uh, it's already over worldwide. Uh, what was it? Friday, I think it was over. It's over five hundred million. Right, right. So, yeah. It's creeping up on five and a half million. Yeah. So, So I wonder. I wonder when they're planning all this if they hadn't sat down and said, you know, guys, a couple of these movies might not make it. Mm hmm. But oh, they'll sure be they're... they'll be worked into the continuity, yeah. and maybe even when another movie comes out, it'll spark interest in that movie again, and we might even be able to do a sequel for it that would do better than the first one because we could. Re- so they might they you or know they, they get might more money have a little the, bit of in the DVD sales or the you know like yeah, if they yeah. see that so they... character later in, in another well, movie. Oh, so, at the long game. so they might not. Yeah, they might. They they might be like, well, a couple of these movies might not make it. it we, you know, let's let's sort of count on maybe one or two of them being like a flop or a disappointment or whatever, They've and got... we can absorb that with the other movies. But so far, that hasn't been the case. I don't think any of these movies have lost money at all. As a matter of fact, oh, the ones no. that have been. You know, Avengers is sort of could pay for all of them, and yeah. and if 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 the Thor movies are making money, they you know yeah, it's, it's, it's anything's fair game. But yeah. what, what I mean, it's like about people is... were clamoring from them make a new you know Hulk movie after the Avengers, like oh you got to do a you know Mark Ruffalo Hulk movie, and they're like screw you, here's a talking. You know, raccoon with machine guns. Which know. I'll take too, but I would yes. still want to. I still want another Hulk movie, man. But that's that's yeah, what, what you're saying is something I've been a proponent of. I we think we've talked about it many times that I think they should be making a certain number of, not low budget movies, but smaller movies, not necessarily blockbusters movies where if you oh, make Netflix you know if you make 150 million, you're doing okay. Yeah, the, well, they kind of yeah yeah they're they're gonna knock it out of the park. I hope because. Yeah, I I think that's what the Netflix thing would be, and it's and it's the like New York City Bowery heroes. Yeah, yeah. I I don't see the mass appeal to uh, (laughs) Jessica uh, Jones. Jessica Jones. I you know I could understand Power Man and Iron Fist and and Daredevil. In fact, I think when we did our five movies we'd like to see made, I think Power Man and Iron Fist were were on my list. Uh, but Jessica Jones, I don't see where she has the mass appeal to really make a big audience. Is that Cage's wife? Yes. Yeah. Did you ever read Alias? Yes, I did. 
Yeah, it was a good series, but I just don't know that she's going to have the cachet that's going to pull in an audience in the first place. It depends. Yeah, I mean, where is that airing at? Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, See, if Netflix approaches it like an HBO project where they're not afraid to, you know, have it be a little more adult material, I'd like to see it be a straight up, you know, more or less straight up adaptation of Alias. If they approached it that way, I'm on board because I thought that was a phenomenal series. Was I was there, really uh, impressed with that. Wasn't there a scene in Alias where she has uh, basically uh, rear sex with uh, Luke Cage? Well, is that actually in that book, or is that just something that was mentioned later? Because I, I don't it's remember it being in the book. And then is it like she feels dirty, kind of thing? Well, yeah, because he gave her a dirty Sanchez, is why. Yeah, but I mean, they, that, I mean, that's how that's how down and dirty that book got. <laughs> I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a really good read, and the you, follow-up you enjoy dirty was good Sanchez's. Too. Oh. There was. Uh, <laughs> There was that. What was the one that was right after it, where they toned it down a little bit? Uh, it was her working at the bugle or something. What was it? The Pulse. The Pulse. Yeah, that was a good book. Yeah, when too. I was a kid, you couldn't do anal sex in so comic in, books yeah. for some reason. <laughs> so they toned it. Because so the authority, I think they had a specific thing about no anal sex. They toned it down to in that one to just a Cleveland steamer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was a kid. Superhero spouses had to sleep in separate beds and separate rooms. The only ones yeah. that got to have sex were Plastic Man and Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I get a salad that needs tossing. Anyway. And the Wasp <laughs> and uh, Ant-Man. Well, we, yeah, and that brings us to our Avengers 1.5 review. Smack! <laughs> Sorry, I guess... You know, there are, are other wife beaters in the Marvel Universe in comics besides. <laughs> Hank Pym. I think Paul. we're giving him a really bad rap. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, brought things to a screeching halt there. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing right. like it's anal sex and dirty sages is to just bring everybody down. Yeah. Anal sex and wife How eating. do you really follow that? I well, can bring it back I'm around gonna, a little bit. It, I'm going to take it to the other end of the female spectrum uh, and, and, and start going up top. Uh, what do you guys, uh, do you share my opinions on Kat Dennings or is there anybody in the room who actually likes her and thinks she added something to the movie? Here's right. the thing with Kat Dennings is that she can only be in the next movie if we have equal screen time with shirtless Thor and shirtless Kat Dennings. Otherwise, keep her the hell out of it because I'm she annoys the that shit one. out of me. <laughs> I'm not on the Kat Dennings, the the Cat Dennings train. Well, I guess that's a poor choice of words. Uh, <laughs> out outside of Thor, I don't know what else she's in. I mean, I've heard she's in some other shows, but I mean, I'm this maybe a TV I'm, show that she's on. Two broke girls. It's called. I've never. Oh. It, but I see commercials for it, and she annoys me in those. That, yeah, no, I mean, that show, show makes me feel like a serious prude, but I, I hate to say it, I think it does not need to be on primetime network television. It's just plain filthy. I mean, when you consider that this is not cable, that this is something that a child could be tuning into, that show, is it shocks me, the, the this shit child that they get away with. <laughs> No, I mean I'm serious. I mean that that show it what really was it, that again. Um. <laughs> um, I just I, I in the first movie I thought she was mildly annoying, but not a bad character. In in the second movie, it, it, it she was just too much of a caricature, too playing the broad sidekick, obnoxious. Yeah, but in the, the theaters she got. 11. She got the laughs. She got the laughs in the theater I was in. 
I enjoyed the whole end no. sequence that was just the whole slapstick um, aspect of it, and so I think she did add to that a little bit, I guess. A little bit. You probably could remove her and the intern I, I, completely I, and have it be just as entertaining, but... You see, I think I like, I think Natalie Portman's a good actress, and I think she's good in a role, and it's funny, it's um, just the opposite of what you said when we were talking about Thor. I was like, you know, I totally buy her as a scientist, and I did in this one, too. <laughs> Sorry. But, she's, but to me, she's up there with Denise Richards in uh, James Bond as a nuclear exactly. physicist. <laughs> no, exactly. It's not quite that level. Natalie Christmas Portman. only comes once a year, Paul. <laughs> what was it? Christmas but, Jones or something like that? Christmas Jones. Yeah. I was just, just kind of pissed that they put more um, focus on Cat and then they made yeah, it was Skarsgård yeah. into a into just a buffoon yeah. character and that bugged me too. not a lot to him. You know, finally at the end he starts getting his, his shit together and can, you For know, no apparent up, reason. can fix stuff up. But like, I liked his character a lot in Thor. There was something, you know, Scott and I were talking about it. He, You don't know much about his character, but you could tell there's something sad about him maybe, like something tragic happened. He's single. Um... You know, there's a, there, but he's it, got connections around the larger Marvel universe in the first one, right. basically. And and I, I yeah, he's like the ballroom scene with him in the first one, and you know that something got cut there, that there was a ballroom brawl or something that that yeah. that was at least in the script. I don't know if they have a film, yeah. But you you know there was something more there, and 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 it, it did show some depth to his character. He's, and he wasn't he's a really good actor. That's the thing is, he's a really good actor, yeah. and he was. Getting and and maybe Branagh was like, oh, I got this guy. I'm gonna give him some more to chew on. Then they gave him with this, where it was like, comedy runs around in his underwear naked and. I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to be like, oh, he screwed up in the head because of the whole Avengers thing. It was a tie-in, you know, yeah. joke basically. But I yeah. haven't seen it, but I heard he was absolutely like frightening in the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was a good psycho. He's a great actor. He's yeah. just really, really good. He does let a me, lot. Let me ask but... you. Let me ask you if you guys would agree with this: that that part of the problem with the movie is a feel with certain characters. And I know for me, Darcy's one, probably the biggest one. Um, Scarsgard is one, and then a lot of the the Asgardians, Odin and uh, and the others. It, it, the movie suffers suffers a bit from from sequelitis in the sense of okay yeah. you know these guys now now we can play with them a little more we can we can broaden them and we can use them a lot more for almost like comedic effect and so they're not taken quite as seriously as in the first movie and it and it has that slightly cheesier sequelitis feel to it i mean would you agree with that yeah, i would agree well, yeah, with you with those characters that you mentioned. Right. But I also, when I kind of gave my review, I mentioned some of the actors that I thought they did a real nice job of giving them just a little moment in the sun. You're not focusing on them too much. You give right. them a moment in the sun, you, you show them doing something cool, and then you move on. I thought they did that with, with Heimdall. I thought they did it with Volstagg. I thought they did it with uh, Frigga. And I thought mm -hmm. they did it with uh, Sif. Right. So, yeah. so they didn't have to do it badly just because they couldn't give them a big part you didn't just have to you know cart them out there and let them take an applause and leave they they actually did something that was worth seeing and i agree with bill that that 
they kind of gave Hogan the short shrift. Yeah, uh, you're the Oriental-looking yeah. guy. Stay here. Yeah, that was kind of <laughs> weird. Stay on <laughs> Oriental <laughs> world. Stay, stay yeah, he on... was on shore leave. Well, <laughs> 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 it served <laughs> the plot <laughs> later on. I mean, didn't he... What do you mean he served the plot? He looks up and sees a plane. How? <laughs> what was that? That's all was the... That was two seeds. Thank you, Thor. I'll stay here. Look, a plane, and I'm done. I'm out. I'm, I'm, was that even the same actor from the first movie? I don't even well, know. You know. I think yeah, it was. I mean, maybe he was shooting some other movie, and that's he... all they could get him for to get in front of a green screen. They should have got yeah. George Takai. George Takai is Hogan. He was the same, but Fandral was was changed up in this. Right. And uh, I was looking Which... that up before we started to see what the deal was, and apparently that actor is on... Um, once upon, Once upon a, time. a time, so he's busy yeah. over there. And apparently they had cast Chuck in the role originally, but he couldn't do it because of Chuck. Ah. So when they lost the actor that they recast in the role, they went back to, was it uh, Levy? Yeah. Zachary Levy? Yeah. Uh, I did like the fact that uh, Hogan had his, uh, his mace when they were fighting, mm. which is kind of cool. And, you know, it's, it's a little, just a quick geek moment. And again, the same thing with the little geek moment to have the uh, Saturn man with the Easter egg yes. head. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool, too. I wonder, because I'm looking around in the theater going, does anybody else realize who this is? You know, because I went by myself. My, my kids didn't, they weren't able to go with me. So I went by myself and I, you know, so I didn't have anybody to bounce things off of. And I'm like listening, waiting for somebody else to go, hey, that's one of the Saturn men. And nobody ever did. So I didn't know if anybody in my showing actually caught that or not. But I thought that was See. cool. You should just oh, stood up and yelled it. That's a Saturn man. You idiots! <laughs> Shut up! We, <laughs> we were in a very geek-centric showing because lots of people stayed for the end. It got a standing ovation yeah. at the end. A lot. It was pretty much fifty-fifty guys and girls too. The girls mm -hmm. were there for Loki, and they were happy. And oh yeah. Audibly, the girls reacted to Loki and to Thor without his shirt. Just you know. I think there's going to be a Thor without his shirt in every movie. <laughs> yeah, I think, think it's yeah. demanded it's by half contract. the audience of of Thor too, and the so. angst-ridden Loki. I'm amazed at how good of an actor Tom Hiddleston is. I, I, I you know, I never heard of him until Thor, but I yeah. mean, he chews up the scenery, but he does it in such a great way. No, wow. he owns. He's like he's like Robert Downey Jr. He owns that character. He, he he's really into playing the character. And he's he's the most successful of the Marvel um, villains right now. He's but the most shaded. I, I would go as far as to say right now, he even more so than Robert Downey Jr. If he's on the screen, he's the guy you're looking at. I don't care who he's sharing the screen with. When he's on the screen with Robert Downey Jr., you're still looking at him in the Avengers. That's, that's how charismatic he is. Okay, who's oh. got the man crush now? No, I'm just saying he's. I think he's amazing <laughs> in that role. Just, just because you who who was it that you uh, wanted to do earlier? I don't remember. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Just, just because, just because you, you know, just because you have these these issues doesn't mean yeah, you're going to be dragging me down. Stop projecting, Doc. <laughs> Read your own book. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to jump back to uh, to geek outs briefly, just because. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I've focused a lot on the negative. There were some serious geek outs that I really enjoyed in this. Um, a couple big oh. ones. I, I love the the 
I don't know what you would call it. it wasn't really a space battle, but it was a very Star Wars esque battle there in the in about the middle of, or about the oh with the Asgard third attack? of the waypoint. What's that? The Where whole attack, attack on Asgard. Yeah. 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 And there was yeah, that, that was one dark. cannon sequence where the cannon was firing. I mean, that's like right out of the trench sequence in Star Wars. I thought yeah. that was really awesome. I thought that was uh, and they a had really long, exciting scene. They had longboats that were firing lasers. That yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. yeah. Combining the, uh, the, the, you know, the sword and sorcery with the science fiction, which yeah. they're doing it well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's all you could ask of them. And they were raising the shield around the whole, the whole city. It's like, yes. Whoa. That yeah, was pretty that's awesome. the part I wish I had gone 3d for it you see but you know but the thing i find about those 3d movies especially the post 3d is by in the first 10 minutes of the movie you're going oh wow this is 3d and then by the end of it it's sort of you've sort of your eyes sort of adjusted to it (laughs) you're still watching it in 3d but you're sort of used to it you know post. yes it is post yeah I avoid 3D like the plague because it gives me a headache, and and the screen looks, it, it's it's like the the opposite of high definition. It, it's like because it's in 3D, it's low definition. Uh, but I've spoken to people who've seen it both ways, and they said the battle sequences really do pop in this movie in 3D. See, in I, our I, area, I like... we had three choices: you could see it regular, you could see it 3D, or you could see it IMAX 3D. But there was no just plain IMAX, which is the way I wanted to see it, mm-hmm. but they didn't offer yeah. it. If you went to IMAX, then you had to pay for the friggin' 3D, and I didn't want to do that because I want to say it was like, I think it was 25 bucks a ticket, I think. Jesus. Insane, you know. That's ridiculous. I could have had three choices. You could see it regular 3D or you could go home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, regular. I I like the stuff that's made for 3D. Like, you know, like when I saw, like, Prometheus, um, uh, gravity and yeah. what's a avatar all come to mind that they were made to be in 3D, shot in 3D, and those were kind. Of, those were pretty much crystal clear. It's the yeah. post stuff that gets that mushy look to it sometimes when it's, you know, that's not quite right. Even like when they did the episode one post 3D, it sometimes took definitely like you said took away a lot of the definition to it avengers was avengers shot in 3d i think it was was post 3d the the best and this isn't from me personally because i didn't see it but the best i've heard of a post uh, (laughs) 3d result was for jurassic park yeah Yeah, people were raving about that one uh, they yeah. probably took extra, super extra care on it, too, you know, instead of trying to just get it out there and make money on it. I haven't heard anything about the, I think the Wizard of Oz one already happened, right? Yeah. It was like for one weekend. I haven't yeah. heard any reviews of whether it was any good or not. If they'd have let that play longer, I wanted to go see it, but I wasn't I able think... to go in the one weekend that they did it. Well, I think they're, I think they're grooming it to be like, show it once a year every weekend you know trot mm-hmm. it out every year as a 3d spectacle you hmm. know out now a new way to see the wizard of oz every year which is it's not a bad idea at all no it's know? not yeah because so, they used to play it on tv every year so I, yeah that's not a bad idea do, do but, it that way but you know now they can kick it up a notch bam <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I think every one of us mentioned the collector, but 
Um, we haven't really talked about Curse, and that was another huge geek out for me when I realized who that was. When you, know, you realized who Malachi, the character was or who the actor was? Who the I, I have no idea who the actor was, but okay. when I realized who the character was, because I, you know, I knew Malekith was going to be the big bad in this. I'd kind of forgotten Curse from the from the Simonson run, but as soon as I saw him on the screen, I realized who he was. I was like, oh, that's I thought that was really cool, but I haven't really heard anybody really mention that or, or seem surprised to see him in the movie from the Simonson run. Now I'm starting to think. Now, now I'm starting to think. I was saying to 2.0 over here that, that I might start looking over eBay for maybe those old Simonson Thors. <laughs> I don't know what they run it for these oh, days. I, think I don't they're know. Really? They're, they're really? Probably few. Right, yeah, my first uh, experience with the Simonson run, I think, was he was doing it during this big X Men crossover, Follow the Mutants. I think maybe. Right, yeah, and I think that's the mutant massacre were, were ended up in the Morlock tunnels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> breaking things. Chris just shot him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right because uh, wasn't Simonson working on X Factor at the same time, and that's why. Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Thor, yeah, it was yeah, a th- crossover between and Thor. So and so I started reading some of the, you know, issues around that where he would. This was a time I think he had. Somebody had cursed Thor so his bones could be broken, so he had this funky right. new armor keeping himself mm-hmm. together or something. It was really weird. <laughs> I refer you to our shameless ob- obligatory movie tie-in episode. Yes, <laughs> listen to that. Yes. So, um, yeah, it was good to see some of that stuff. It was definitely... Because well, yeah. Malakath was even a Simonson creation, wasn't he, or... Uh, yeah, I think I believe yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yeah, but I, I, I thought overall, Curse was a better villain in the movie than Malekith was. He, he oh, was yeah. more substantial yeah. and more, more to do. I mean, <laughs> you felt the threat when he was on the screen. Yeah. Well, he actually had like a bit of an arc where he was a quote unquote normal person, and to then make the sacrifice. Yeah, sort of for, a, yeah. a a kind of a tragic arc, you know, where he's making the yeah. sacrifice and turning into a monster on a one-way trip to hell. Well, he, so, he does some pretty uh, some pretty badass stuff. He deflects Thor's hammer in that movie, and the Hulk didn't even do that. And, you know, I mean, when we saw him in The Avengers. And the, the actor who plays him, uh, who I, I also won't take... Uh, oh, I, I won't take a chance on trying to pronounce yeah. the name. But I, I remember him him as Mr. Echo also, and I believe yeah. Mr. Mr. Echo was a Jamaican character, but the actor grew up in England. But I, I like I hear him with an English accent. I'm like, wow, he's doing a great English accent. Only it's England, his natural Jamaica, accent. You know, what's the difference? Yes, yeah. it's a little bit different. <laughs> I never have thought that Andy Leyland would be from Jamaica. <laughs> oh, there he is. He's from the North Jamaica. <laughs> We're looking at a picture of Curse standing over Thor and Beta Ray Bull right now. Yeah, see, now I thought that that was a Fall of the Moon. That was Secret Wars, over, And it's Secret Wars 2, so I was don't this know. One, was this one of the ones that you got from me? Because I totally do not remember this at all. See, That's I what I was thinking, Scott. Was it? The Beyonder actually created Curse. From yeah. No, no, no. no. See, I don't think the Beyonder pumped up Chris. his... The Beyonder pumped up his power and had him fight Thor because that was in okay. one of the books uh, we were talking right. about, wasn't it? Um, yeah. On the other show, or or that was uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that was in the lead up to him being turned into a frog. Because oh, I'm trying to I remember where your far. run ended, Chris, the one that I bought from you, and I think it ended prior to that issue, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I'm sure that's an issue that I ended up having to track down. Because I know the last few issues of the Simonson run, I ended up having to track down as back issues because you didn't have quite all of them. But, uh, but yeah, Malekith is definitely a Simonson creation because I was looking for that credit at the end of the movie, and it is given Malekith created by Walt Simonson, which I thought was pretty yeah. cool. I'm, I'm going to uh, read you the uh, Wikipedia entry on Curse. Curse was originally the most powerful of a race of dark elves and was known as Algrim the Strong. He is coerced by the dark elf ruler, Malekith the Accursed, to fight the Asgardian god of thunder and superhero Thor. Malekith, however, betrays Algrim while he is fighting Thor, and in a bid to destroy the Thunder God, orders that a pitfall beneath the two be opened. Thor mm -hmm. saves himself courtesy of his mystical hammer, Mjolnir, while Algrim falls into lava. Algrim's enchanted armor saves his life, but he is still critically injured and develops amnesia from the shock. Completely am amnesiatic, amnesic, except for his obsessive desire to gain revenge on Thor, Algrim is later healed by the constant by the cosmic entity the Beyonder, who transforms him into the much more powerful being called Curse. And then it goes on, but I think that, that kind of covers right. it. Yeah. And apparently yeah. he appeared Dark in Elves in any way related to like the Power Pack of Elves. Yeah. I just think of like whenever I hear elves, I think of like Santa Claus or the Keebler elves. Yeah. They, they, they have evil they make bad cookies. cookies. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, th Malik, I think Curse uh, is like the slave driver for the Keebler Elves, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> he, like, stands over them with a whip. Well, uh, Malik, his original look in the uh, in the comics was like the... Uh, uh, Paul, what's the name of that race from from Star Trek? Oh, I, I don't know the name. Oh, the Sharons. Well, I know it's Loki. The Sharons, the Sharons, yeah. Loki and what? Loki and Beale. Loki and Beale, yeah. Yeah, he, he's got the half-black, the half-white face. Right. There's a uh, there's another comics character that looks like that too. Jack he of Hearts. Has, no, he he looks more like, like like a classic gray alien, except he's split and white and black like that. I, uh, the in betweener. Yeah. yeah, I think that is who it is. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that's between uh, the uh, Lord Chaos and something Master Order, like a cosmic. He's he's like the balance between them. Is yeah, this is getting to the deep cosmic yep. universe. You're you're totally so. into Jim Starlin world. Exactly. <laughs> but oh, and yeah. well, since we're there, uh, we want to talk about stones. The uh, that the aether Infinity or, stones. Or the, yeah, the, sure. That the, yeah. <laughs> Have you got the stones to talk about it? <laughs> I heard they're on tour again. I got some bad kidney stones working right now. Yeah, I'm one right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, you just um, you have to appreciate Marvel's moxie and going after this particular storyline, as we've all said. And I, uh, the same fears that Paul do that that this just might be too much for Joe Public, because <laughs> it was almost too much for me as a comic reader. I'm yeah, like, but look wow, what Joe, this is just getting. Look what Joe Public's watching on TV. You know, these yeah. days they're watching well, Once Upon a Time yeah, and all weird. that stuff. You know what? They're watching don't... weird stuff. 
But yeah. don't mix them up because watching it on TV and, and getting your ass out of your seat and going to the movie theater are two totally different things. Uh, well, yeah. well, look at the huge deal like Comic-Con is, you know, that it's Comic-Con is one of those things now where like a lot of the nerds are like, I don't want to go to Comic-Con. It's sold out. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's it, it, it's a huge mass media affair rather than being just like a niche affair anymore. It's a place to trot out huge movies and generate buzz that could equal tens of millions of dollars down the road you know so you know don't i I mean people are and there's there's people now there's hipster nerds now there's people who like pretend to be nerds you know or are just sort of like affected nerds because it's cool yeah they be hipsters (laughs) <laughs> we have like no precedence in, in cinema history for what's going on these days that every you know movie season there's a tentpole superhero flick now you know you used to have to wait from you know we had Reeve Superman and then we had to wait till 89 for Burton to make Batman and <laughs> yeah I, I have mixed feelings like, about the oh, whole another three months has gone by here's another superhero movie so I got a geek question before we go back on the movies again though Okay, so they go to the collector. Oh, hold on. I'm segueing again from my segue. <laughs> there's an Easter egg in that scene that I saw online this weekend that there's a uh, the cocoon that Adam oh, Warlock yeah. is in. Did oh, you guys cool. see that picture? No, I did not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that, that's, that's in one of those glass um, cases yeah. that it's something that looks like the cocoon that he is usually in. That him and her were created by them and us. Well, a lot of pronouns. Again, anyway. how you can get a movie producer to agree to put that up on film is beyond me, but God bless him for it. <laughs> I think it was him, her, them, and Bartholomew, wasn't it? <laughs> me and you and a dog named Boo. Boo. <laughs> Bartholomew is the dog. And there's like maybe three people in the world that are going to get that joke but remember the what if the the comedy issue of what if you guys remember that okay there was a picture of them and he's having a bar he's like adam warlock with like the the spatula in his hand at a barbecue and it's (laughs) there's little signs there's one point to him that says him there's one point to her that says her there's one point to their kids their little golden kids that says them and then there's one point to the dog that says bartholomew (laughs) and if they had and if they had a baseball game it would be a abbott and costello skit right Them, Speaking us. of Marvel Universe dogs, though, if if they do pull off Guardians and all this Thanos stuff, and still are able to make movies after all this, then I know we're gonna get to see an Inhumans movie someday, and I'll get to see Lockjaw mm. on screen. I would love <laughs> to see Lockjaw. Oh my god! <laughs> it will be that. I remember, like as a little kid, seeing Lockjaw in an issue of Spidey Stupid Stories, yeah. and it was the most awesome thing in that, and it always made an impression on me. And, uh, <laughs> oh yes, I would love to see that. That's all, all right, got so, to be like Fantastic Four territory, though. You would. All so, right. Back to my look- geek question. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> they go to the collector and they they're carrying the aether, the stone. How did they shrink it to that small size? It was huge. It was massive. And they walk in with this little thing that looks like it's you know somebody's lunch pail. There you go. Pim particles. Marvel Universe Pim-part- science. Man. I need an answer. 
Maybe these stones manifest differently depending on where they what are. What dimension and... they're in? Alright, I'll yeah, take that. Or how active it is maybe when it starts. Unstable to... molecules. They might also... I, I don't know anything about this, so I shouldn't postulate <laughs> anything, you know. I'm I... sorry, I'm busy reading this link you sent me. What was and the question? Metal. Oh, wait, that's DC. <laughs> what was no, the question, ha- Bill? Alright, when they go... When they give the stone to the collector, now when we first saw it, it was this massive, huge... Uh, right. monolith size but they walk in with this little tiny you know Keebler elf package uh, stone and say here keep this safe you know we already have one at Asgard have it we already got one <laughs> we concentrated <laughs> it and you can't get it wet what did you tell him I told him we got one already <laughs> it's very nice <laughs> we have one of infinity stones go away for I come to it a second time <laughs> So, you know, I was just curious, like, you know, they just, they, they don't really show how they shrunk it. It's just, it's a shrinky dink, I guess. You know, there you go. We in just put wash. it in the oven. <laughs> Come on, the stone, shrink it. Take my stone. <laughs> I already killed Sharon's stone. Sharon's <laughs> stone. It's a divorce. Take my stone, please. You see, I like the cheesiness of his set because I thought since he was a collector that he had sort of a retro design, you know? He has everything on display in a sort of cheesy, dry ice way, you know? So basically, As a matter of fact, just, he collected uh... the set from an old Doctor Who show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any problem with it at all. Like I said, I, I got a kick out of the sequence, but I'm just concerned that it doesn't translate to the general public. No, I'm sure it doesn't. It didn't translate to me, but it was, it was, uh, it was amusing. You know, it was, it was interesting to watch, and I love that actor, man. He is, he's a riot. Yeah, I compare him to like Tom Waits as a, as a just a good screen freak. Oh, he reminds me of uh, Javier Bardem. Yes, the two of them could play brothers. I think yes. Guardians is just stock full of quirky character actors like that that's so it's catnip be for me awesome. man i love character actors better than real it john big... riley is playing like the head of no glenn close is in the movie playing like the head of the nova corp right i shit you not that's weird <laughs> john c riley's weird too but he's yeah. he can he's played serious i mean he was in boogie oh, nights yeah. and uh, He's played serious roles before, so I'm I'm guessing he's going to be somewhere in between in this. But yeah, yeah. any movie that hired Vin Diesel to to just say I am Groot to a CGI you know characters, you know Marvel is stones of steel. That's all I gotta say. They're just oh, you know what we haven't really t- talked about well, the other big twist before the whole credits, and that's the. Uh... What did Loki do with Odin? Is uh, Odin taking nap time? Is it Odin sleep time? Did he kill him? Did he knock him out? Did I'm, I'm is... betting that's actually you know kind of fluid as far as the next script goes to see if Anthony Hopkins is still around to play Odin. Or not. Mm. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of. I mean, yeah, you know, anybody could die any time, but I don't think he's at an age where you're afraid he's not going to make it to the old, next movie. Yeah. I don't. But, think but I think I think you're more concerned about him not wanting like to play the part anymore, or not wanting to do it unless he's given a boatload of money. Yeah. Odin might have just been downstairs watching TV or something, you know. Yeah, he's probably I, just in Odin's sleep again, and you know. Odin's I think well, I, you know, Odin's sleep last time. He's probably just taking an Odin nap this time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> power, Odin power Odin nap. nap. 
Or Loki was recording everything, probably, and he's got, you know, Thor on tape saying, you know, I don't want to be king, so too bad Loki's dead or he could be king. And then Loki's just going to be like, hey, see this? I wonder I wonder if <laughs> Thor and Loki ever got into Odin's closet and got into the Odin porn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if anything, I, I figure they're probably even off-screen setting up Loki to be the one that helps Thanos ultimately get you know the the Tesseract back or whatever that's we know that's one of the stones now so if we're ever going to see the infinity gauntlet complete they're going to have to in Thor 3 or something they're going to have to hand over to the cosmic cube to him I saw a theory out there I don't know if I saw it on Facebook that basically the uh, or if I heard on another podcast I'm not quite sure I don't remember now that the mind gem was in uh, Loki's scepter because that's what allowed him to control everybody's minds. Aha. Could be. And then the uh, the Tesseract is the space gem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the ether is the power gem. So we'd still have the soul gem and... Reality and time. Okay. So you got to figure they're going to cover at least one. Maybe they'll cover all three of them in Guardians. Who knows? Mm. You know, they, you know they're going to hit on it, though. They're not going to. What about just... Gem and the holograms? When are they going to pop up? <laughs> you know, you know, don't say things like that because it's not it's not out of the realm of poss- possibilities that there could be a Gem and the holograms movie. Why not? Why not? Do you want me movie. to start making reasons? <laughs> well, there's plenty of reasons why we shouldn't make a Gem and you know. Movie. But they'll all come in riding My Little Ponies. There's plenty of reasons. Bunch of bronies out there. Battleship movie. <laughs> they too, should make or... a gem in the holograms porno movie, and that's it. Gem <laughs> in the holograms? What was that? <laughs> okay, prepare to laugh because this is the guy I've been trying to think of all night long, and I finally found him. This is who Malaketh reminds me of. Jeez, <laughs> I have no idea who that is. It's the <laughs> antimatter man. It's the guy that uh, the Justice League fought, like. Right around in the like, I don't know, it's like why is she like forty-seven or something like that? I think he's he the one that. Why is, is he, he like, giving <laughs> the power to the people sign? <laughs> right. Well, the, I thought he was like flexing side. his bicep. Look at that bicep. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I'm flexing for you. I'm the Ajimata man. He's giving the f- power to the people with his white side too. What's this? <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> to view him in the context of his profile. He's a two-dimensional character, after all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that suit he's wearing is like, what other hero or villain wears that? Isn't that like... Just a jumpsuit, sort of. An orange hey, and purple. Didn't Hank him wear that for a while? That's his prison gear. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it looks like. <laughs> Summer wear in prison, yeah. Before we, before we forget all about it, why don't we touch on the crossover with <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. this week? Oh, and uh, why don't you why don't you give us your impressions on that first? Because you, I think you probably have the best take on it. I I really want that show to survive, but I don't think I've seen a show more. It seems like it's trying to commit suicide. I swear, as a TV show, it just I, the stories are actually getting better, but like their handling of certain things seems to be getting worse. And it's just, uh, I don't know if any of y'all are up on the episodes oh, yeah. or not. I've, but. I've watched them all. I think it, I think a lot of people had too high expectations for it. Well, they were and, plugging away at this Thor 2 crossover for a couple oh, of yeah, weeks. That was, 
and it was just like the biggest BS ever. You guys I know mean, what the yeah, crossover was... was? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, they were picking it's up the little voiceover in the beginning, basically explaining yeah. who Thor is. It sounds like you know? exposition, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and all they had was. to go around and pick up all the pieces of alien tech. That was the big crossover. And that was it. You know, now and then the... they had actually another really good story that was tied into Asgard. Right. But it With just, the, the way they sold it, I bet it pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> well, the, the rumor I had heard was that the S.H.I.E.L.D. crossover was going to be that they were going to have to corral that Frost Giant dog. And and I think that could have been very cool. You know, because anybody that rushed out to see Thor 2 in anticipation of seeing what the tie-in was going to be, like me, you know, well, it's not really the reason I went to see Thor 2, but, um, yeah, I expected, holy crap, they're going to be chasing around this Asgardian monster. Well, no, they were chasing around Peter McNichol instead, <laughs> which, that's, that's great. I love Peter McNichol. Good to see... Galen Bradwarden, the Dragon Slayer, on anything. But, uh, He's yeah. the great Vigo. <laughs> great Vigo. You are like the buzzing of flies to him. Uh, Dragon Slayer. It's always, it's always going to be Dragon Slayer for me. I totally Anywho, um, the same dude. The show, I mean, they're beating you over the head. I think as maybe Paul said earlier with the whole, I got killed by Loki. You know coming out of Coulson's mouth every five minutes to remind us. Um, the way they're setting up the mystery of how he's back at all is either going to be a good piece of screenwriting or just the worst, you know, no shit, Sherlock, piece of uh, yeah, screenwriting. I, here's I my prediction. It's going to turn out that this is all actually taking place on Lost Island where everybody's dead the whole time. Well, I hope so. Actually, I think that's what's going on on Arrow, but that's a whole other show. <laughs> um, but, I mean, they've been dropping these hints. Everyone thinks he's going to be an LMD because anyone that knows anything about S.H.I.E.L.D. knows there's life model decoys. You know, as you mentioned in The Avengers... Mm-hmm. But they keep beating you over the head with little things like, oh, my muscle memory is gone, feeling robotic this morning, and you know we can't let him know what happened to him. There are just so many hints that he's going to be a robot that if he's actually ends up being an LMD, it's really poor writing, in my opinion. That these plus, things should almost be set up as red herrings. And like, plus, you know, it eliminates any an of the... Yeah. We should probably do something else with it. It eliminates any any of the potential danger too, because if anybody gets killed, he could just be replaced with an LMD. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which well, certainly they show the yeah. scar on his chest, but yeah, they could have just placed that there. I like and the that's... rumor better that somehow they like had him up in one of the Asgardian realms, and that's how they cured him. Yeah. That he wasn't quite dead, and they were able to bring him somewhere. And there's some mystical agents at work keeping him alive. I think I'm it not could dead. go either way. I think it would be a I good opportunity better. to <laughs> like the magical side of the Marvel Universe, you know, kind of ease into the Doctor Strange thing eventually. But... Bring out your Coulsons. <laughs> <laughs> I said, if it, even if it is a red herring, you know, and he's not an LMD, they've beat the dead horse of the red herring so much that it's almost annoying at this point. It's like, if we're already watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you really don't have to do the exposition for us every single week, you know. Get the fucking Tahiti already. Yeah, get, exactly. And I'm, I'm sure tired of hearing the reference. Soon, but I'm not hopeful it's going to get a second season. <laughs> I, I feel like I that show they've uh, 
because because of potential, I've stayed with it this season. But if this was not a tie into the Marvel universe, I would have given up on on it by now. Yeah, I think this is here just to keep Marvel in everybody's minds, keep it active. You know, as a constant reminder, you know, and I, I think even if it doesn't do well for the rest of the year, I, I, I don't know. They'll probably have it back again. Uh, and, but you, but usually Josh Whedon shows are not that good their first season anyway. Right. You know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. First season. Not that great. Angel. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched Dollhouse. I couldn't. Couldn't keep up with it. I don't know if any of you guys are, ever did. Anybody? Bueller? No. Bueller? Never saw it. No, but they're saying last episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. was apparently, that last scene was a huge call out to Dollhouse, apparently. But I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Oh. Too bad about too bad about Firefly, then. Well, well yeah, Firefly that's... was kind of... Okay, now I just said that, but Firefly was a little different, because... They only got the one season, Never so made it, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if, if would have been which, yeah. which, I mean, I have it on DVD. I've watched, I've sat through and watched it, you know, every now and then, and I, I, I catch it on TV, and it was good. But I think it that that show now we got we turn into a Firefly Fly pop podcast. Oh, I, th- I think that show was held in such high esteem because it only had one season, so. Mm. It didn't have a chance to yeah, jump the that, shark. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's all everybody got. So it's like, oh my god, it's the best thing. It's, it's sliced bread. And what's so great about sliced bread anyway? I I don't know. I'd like I to pre- eat the whole loaf, no slices yeah, at all. I prefer Italian bread. They just reach it with my hand and rip out the bread. Just saying. No, no sexual jokes there. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. But a bunch. Anybody, well, anybody sure. I guess else in this one? There. I guess beating this hammer to death. All right, so oh. why don't we do our? Uh, why don't you just give a you give a quick summation on it, and you could either say give it a, a rating or where you think it falls among Marvel movies. And let's just go back in the order we started with, Chris. Um, um, my first impression walking out was I thought this movie was a little better than Thor, but then watching Thor again right after it. I don't think it was better than Thor. I, rating it in the Marvel movies, I would put it somewhere around, somewhere in the, like, Iron Man, somewhere, it could be either side of Iron Man 2 and 3, above or below. It's hard to say, depending on my mood on either day. It's sort of in the middle of the, um, of the, or maybe even towards the bottom of the Marvel movies, which doesn't matter because the bottom is still in a very high place, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But it may... Yeah, it may be my least favorite, but that could be fighting with Iron Man 2 and 3 to be my lowest rated. But I thought actually, you liked Iron Man 2. I, I like both of them a lot. But um, hmm. Iron Man 1 always gets extra points for me for being um, just sort of a bre- like a big breakout of the Marvel comics where they took a character that I wasn't interested in and all of a sudden I saw what they were doing with, with all this stuff. So Iron Man 1, even though I like Iron Man 2 as a movie better than Iron Man 1, it still ranks a little higher for being the first one 
but you know that and i but the thing is i love the iron man movies i love all three of them but i you know captain america and um the hulk and the avengers and even thor really maybe because i had low expectations of it but thor would sort of be it thor the thor movies and the iron man movies are all sort of mixed in together with me as as you know how i hold them in esteem and the rest of them are all sort of above there i don't know my favorite of all of them might be the hulk anyway that's i should i should stop now because i could just keep <laughs> s- straining out i i just don't want to sound like there's any of them that i don't like because <laughs> there aren't all right if anybody wants to map chris is all over it <laughs> Did, did, did I make sure that I could offend nobody in the entire universe? Yeah, that was pretty now? vanilla. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> All okay. right. Good. Anyway, shift it over to Scott. What do you, What do you think? Um, I say I had a lot of fun at this movie, and I, you know, problems aside, it was almost a little too funny. You know, we're all missing, you know, the two seconds that Thor actually grieved for his dead mother. Um, I liked the world building that it did. It went into a little, you know, kind of the explanation of we as Guardians live for 5,000 years, which I was hoping they were going to use as an excuse to maybe kill off Jane Foster and Thor would have ended up with Sith, but that's just my evil side talking. Um, As far as other Marvel movies, hard to rate. I'm still, I don't think I'm a fan of Iron Man 3. I definitely like some aspects of it, and on another viewing, parts of it got a little better, parts of it got worse for me, Uh, so it's definitely above that. Um, Probably wasn't as good a movie as the first Thor, because I like how they, you know, despite kind of the smaller budget budget and, you know, setting, more simpler tale, um, I, I like the origin story that they set up for him. Um, as I said, it was great to see that world expanded, and I thought they definitely made a good call getting a guy that used to work on Game of Thrones yeah. to, to handle it. I mean, definitely breathe some more life into the... You know, we got to see Main Street Asgard, not just the shiny uh, shiny palace, and uh, never enough of the uh, peripheral characters said, uh, yeah, I could have traded Darcy any day for more Warriors 3. Uh, I said I, I would love to see a nothing but the nine realms, well, eight realms, minus Earth uh, Thor movie. And we got a little more of that in this one, but uh, obviously he's gone to be Ward Cleaver now in Cleveland with Jane Foster, so probably the next one's going to be a bit on Earth as well. But looking forward to more and looking forward to the Guardians of the Galaxy and yeah. I liked it. Next. Talk to Bill. <laughs> <I'm done. laughs> uh, I'll do this in like a, like a microphone plat- on the ground. <laughs> I'll do this in like a plateau. Avengers at the top, and then I have uh, on like the next plateau would be Captain America, Iron Man, and the first Thor. And then on the next plateau would be uh, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, and Thor 2. Kind of all, you know, those are all on the same level for me. Where, where does Hulk land? Oh, I forgot about Hulk. Uh, hmm. Wherever he wants. Put Scott, him exactly. <laughs> Smash. 
Uh, hmm. So you you've said three levels. Hulk, First, yeah, Hulk, a third. Hulk would be on the second level. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good deal. How about you, Scott? Um. Well, I got a couple last-minute notes to get out of the way first, and, and then I'll kind of sum up the movie. Um, my last complaint is my biggest complaint. Jane Foster's lack of awe by being in the realm of the gods really took the film down a notch for me. I mean, she's literally in Asgard meeting Odin and doesn't seem at all impressed. She doesn't prostrate herself. Yeah, maybe and that's what like, bugs the shit out of me about her. Maybe, we just yeah. don't know. Well, yeah. she, even, she's got no emotion at all. She's just there. Well, isn't she infected yeah. by the ether or whatever? Well, isn't that's she true. But still, I mean, even the, even the gods don't really seem, you know, uh, on the flip side, they don't seem especially uh, bothered by her presence. Now, Odin does make a little bit, a bit of a stink at first, but then it's kind of sloughed off, you know, because he says something about, you know, her basically being like a goat to them or something to that. And then she <laughs> takes offense and there's that really poorly delivered sequence where she's like, you know, are you, did you just call me a goat? Who the hell do you think you are? And he's like, well, I'm Odin. And she's like, oh, yeah. and that sequence is really awkward and strained. It just comes off as very silly. I mean, you would think that a human being meeting the real Odin would be like, holy shit, you know, and, and just have this sense of big fan. You know, just, <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he's literally, you know, king of a pantheon of deities. That's kind of a big deal. And there's just no sense of being impressed or odd or fearful or Skarsgård might, might have, she might I'll, just be yeah. like, yeah, he he his character probably would have really been you know impressed by the like I say it. He would have slept for him and done a dance in the fountain. You know. That's but, a point I hadn't even thought of, but I think it's a really really good point, and and it, yeah. it is it is something that once you know once you've pointed it out, it's like yeah that that's really bad. Yeah, so, I mean, well, I mean, even Frigga and. Um, see, I thought from the trailers that that look that Sif gives. Jane, like that, look like you're what has turned Thor's eye. I, love I thought that would be a, a real bone of contention in the movie, and it's there, and they don't do anything with it. And I'm, I was really disappointed by that because I thought those I two at odds with each other, fighting for Thor's yeah, attention, yeah. would be a great piece for the movie, and they did nothing would, with. It. I would rather have that as a subplot than anything with Kat and her intern boyfriend. You yeah. know, you could have. They just they just left that to Jamie Alexander's acting and having you see her seething a little bit, and and right. that's, yeah. that's that's part of the reason why I said she she was a surprisingly good actress in this, and mm -hmm. and that you well, know they should have given her a little bit more of a role because she showed that she's got the acting chops to handle it. I didn't buy the relationship and the infatuation between Thor and Jane in this movie the way I in Thor the first movie I totally buy it. I think they've got great chemistry. I really like seeing the the interplay and the and the teasy winky relationship between the two of them. In this one I didn't and I kept agonizing over it like what's different with this one and I think I finally nailed it for me anyway. What why I didn't buy it? 
And it's totally the timeline. The fact that they didn't just pick this up as if this is like a week after the Avengers, but instead two years have gone, literally gone, you know, the same sp span of time we've been waiting for the sequel is the span of time that's passed for, for all these characters. That really took it down a notch to me because it was like, if he was really into her, he would have literally moved heaven and earth to get back to her as quickly as possible. And I don't buy the whole thing of, well, you know, the nine worlds went to shit, so I had to go off and fight wars for two years. And sorry, no, I don't buy that. I well, don't that buy two years to somebody of Thor's age, you know, I tried to know that way too, you know, like like you know the whole thing that we saw in the in that Hercules miniseries that time, where fifty years had gone by, you know, in Hercules to Hercules it was the blink of an eye, but to his best friend was like, you know, you don't call, you know, you call fifty years of friendship, uh, you know, an eye blink, you know, and, and it, it demonstrated the different levels that they were operating on. So I tried to no prize it that way still don't no. quite buy it. You no, know? you don't Be buy it because they fixed the Bifrost, so it's no big deal for him to travel to Earth anymore because he can get there through the Bifrost. And he's got the time to sit there having a, a drink at the God's party and, and sulk because he isn't seeing her. Go over and have Heimdall send you down there if you're you sulking so bad. You time to go bad. get Schwama after the Avengers battle, too. So, yeah. you know... He, he couldn't. He couldn't duck in and visit her in wherever the hell she was being hidden by you shield. Guys sound like, you guys sound like your Thor's girlfriend. Jeez, man, come on, guys, gotta have his space, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but anyway, that, that's enough complaining about it. Um, another big geek out that none of us mentioned that I thought was really cool is we got to see Boar in battle, oh. and I thought that was really cool. That I, that was very exciting to me. Um, lastly, real big positive was, uh, I'm so, so, so thankful that whatever the hell happened with Carter Burwell, whether he got fired or whether he quit, whichever story you believe, I'm just glad he's not the guy that scored this. Cause I, I like Carter Burwell totally wrong for a movie like this. So I'm really glad that it was, um, Brian Tyler. I liked the score to the first Thor movie. But it only works in the movie. Listening to that as a standalone score, I think it's probably the most boring of all of the Marvel scores so far. When you listen to it just on its own, outside of the movie, it, it's just not very exciting. This score kicks ass. I mean, it's yeah, a really, really good, too. solid score, and I like it a lot. So, uh, you know, big points there. Trying to grade it, it's too early. I'd need to see it again to really be able to grade it on some sort of number system. Trying to rank it is almost as hard, but off the top of my head, I would rank it thusly. My least favorite Marvel movie so far of, you know, of these movies, of the Avenger tie-in movies, would be Iron Man 3. Not to say, now, now let me just preface that by saying I don't dislike any of these movies. I, I, yeah, I love Now you're coming into my movies. world, man. Mm -hmm. But Iron Man 3 is by far my least favorite one. It just, it was the one where I literally did walk out of the theater disappointed. So it's above Iron Man 3. The next one, the next lowest one to me after Iron Man 3 would be the original Iron Man. Again, not that I don't like it. It's just not, to me, it wasn't as good or as exciting as the other ones. And then I'd have to say, for the moment, that's probably where I would put Thor The Dark World. Because all the other ones, 
so far anyway, I like better. But again, I want to see this movie again. I want to watch it again to really be able to sink my teeth into it, really reevaluate it. And then then it would probably potentially it could climb, you know, that much higher. But at the moment, yeah, you know, third from the bottom, essentially, which, you know, hell, it's not a bad place to be compared to, you know, the other movies it's stacked up against. I just don't think it was quite as good as uh, as the first Thor. I, I really do dig that movie. Okay. That's my review. And just from me, uh, just to put him in the ranking uh, method, uh, if we eliminate the Avengers from the equation of the Marvel movies in this pantheon that we've been discussing, uh, unlike Scott, my favorite is the original Iron Man. That's actually, I think, the best, and to me it had the most rewatchability of of all of them. Uh, My least favorite going into this was Iron Man 3 as well. but as I said going in, while I was disappointed with it afterwards, watching it on at home on TV, I kind of enjoyed it and I like it. And it's no longer uh, nearly as disappointing as it was when I first saw it. And I'm ranking this Thor movie right on an even par with that Iron Man movie. I was disappointed walking out of the movie theater. Uh, I see a fair number of weaknesses and we've, we've kind of beaten some of them to death. Uh, but overall, I think it does have rewatchability. I think it's going to be superior at home than it was in the movie theater. Uh, and I, it's a movie that I'm going to end up buying the Blu-ray on when it comes out. And I'm going to watch mm-hmm. it a couple of times. And I'm still going to enjoy it. So uh, while it is ranked at the lowest of the Marvel movies, that's not an insult by any means. Uh, all of the Marvel movies are good. Uh, just really quick before we close it out, one thing that we didn't mention that... Uh, I just want to get everybody's quick thought on was uh, the Stan Lee cameo. How did we skip that? Oh, excellent. Having him be in the nut house in this, that was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah. Pretty much every cameo he does is perfect. And the last story with him as a redneck was beautiful, yeah. too, you know? And my he favorite. Actually, my favorite he could have actually been the same person, be, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, my favorite is the Amazing Spider Man when he was the librarian with the headphones on while the battle was going on behind him. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's it unless anybody has any other closing comments to throw out I think we can uh, wrap this up Uh, I had one one other thing that we didn't talk about Uh, so are the Asgardians now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe labeled as aliens and not gods pretty much I think they are they're sci-fi now yeah yeah which, they, you know. they had a lot of exposition in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode oh, yeah. and basically mapped that out for everybody. Was yeah, which, not. I mean, at least in the true Marvel Universe, they're still gods. So, like, I'll, I'll have my god over there, but not here. I can have I my god know, in... I, I don't know when they retconned that in Marvel. I, I remember first seeing it in Earth X, I think, when they kind of did the whole explanation that Asgardians were shape-shifting... Aliens. What? Yeah. I can, I can read that. I don't remember that. Hmm. Shape-shifting aliens. Yeah, they came down basically and, like, kind of adapted the look of the Vikings, essentially, and that's, you know, they kept it over the centuries. They're like, hey, these, these human suits look pretty good. That's an Earth-X? <laughs> I think it was Earth-X, yeah. Which yeah, but Earth-X Earth doesn't count. Sure that's, that's an alternate universe. Well, I'm talking course, about yeah. I'm talking about the six one six man. I you know I don't even I don't. Don't when make I was me come up Marvel there. Marvel Comics it was, 
They weren't. Oh wait, I I just thought of a topic of discussion real quick, a quick quick little roundtable to take us out. Is uh, who who would we like to see, <laughs> or what would we like to see be the uh, thing for the next Thor movie? Thor man. I guess if they pay him, I mean, you, you got to keep having Loki in there as long as he'll keep showing up. I think you know or. Let's face it; it's the Thor and Loki show that's selling these movies. <laughs> well, I I would go with uh, someone of Asgardian power, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. Is and I would always have Loki in the background because you just have him scheming and working, you know, pulling strings behind the scenes, even if he's not uh, directly being an antagonist on it. But I would go with the Wrecking Crew. Mm-hmm. I think that could be awesome. That would be do. like a great first. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I've missed in these is is having Loki. You know, actively, you know, throwing other minions at Thor, basically, like he used to a lot in the comics. You know, I, well, I was guys... half hoping, I was half hoping that the Avengers would have been that—that that he like would have grabbed control of the Hulk instead of maybe Hawkeye and maybe had him break a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> you guys don't want to see uh, uh, Nick Dolte and have him come back <laughs> as the Absorbing Man. God, I want to see him defeat a bunch of space rednecks and space Aunt May with Twinkies. <laughs> Graviton's chilling in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. You know, uh, no, that's a good... out. Yeah, do you think they might take something from the uh, from the S.H.I.E.L.D. show and bring it into the movies? Like I, any, if... a, a, any of those characters? Since Thor's going to be on Earth, we can see a crossover this time, a true crossover there. I don't think I mean, we'll I think see this the Graviton the from S.H.I.E.L.D. Marvel's unified armor is that I don't I'm not sure they had a great handle on how they could do the TV show and mm. tie in enough stuff to keep it interesting and you know on the budget that they obviously they obviously didn't even have the budget to do you know the little Asgardian dog that was running around because that would have been the logical episode to create you know if you're going to tie it into Thor 2 but well maybe they'll bring him into one of the Marvel movies and just kill them all I mean, setting up Graviton in Aegis Shield is pretty huge, and that's a pretty huge Avengers villain. Right. So, um, you know, if they don't, if he doesn't show back up in some form on the TV show, they could just throw a million things out and just have them out there in case they (laughs) want to use them or not use them. It's like Billy. Who knows? In the first Batman movie. That's where DC seems to be doing it better on TV than Marvel does with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for some reason. And Marvel does it better in the movies. So well, I think more I think the the reason, as best as I can figure, is that they're trying to protect these properties for the movies. They don't want to use them on TV. But you know what? You have so many B and C and D list characters. You know, give us give us something to geek out about. Yeah. Right. And, and they're not doing that. I, I would have liked to have seen S.H.I.E.L.D. really tie in with, you know, almost have like that 1960s field with, you know, James Bond against Spectre and have Hydra be the villains and, and play with that a lot. They, they should have taken the act, all the actors in the Avengers and say, look, here's part of your huge, massive, expensive contract. Yeah. Is, is each of you have to appear in at least two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D you know every couple of seasons you know and that would be a big deal and if robert downey jr showed up in the iron man suit at some point and did one show it would be humongous you know if anybody showed up and did that so you know that's what i would have done if i did the tv show Uh, my prediction and uh, 
is pain. Oh, sorry. If things don't go so well for the show on ABC, I'm thinking Disney would maybe consider moving it over to Netflix with their other and tie them into the other properties. Would probably be almost their best bet is to. It's gonna end up on Netflix anyway. Yeah, well, <laughs> right, yeah. Disney have a pretty good relationship together right now, apparently, and there's, yeah, there's a, a whole ton, ton of Disney of stuff shows on there. Disney that you never used to see on Netflix. Instant. Anyway. Yeah, the, who would who would be shocked to see in the next six months all of a sudden you know Disney owns Netflix? Yeah, no, <laughs> I would not be surprised. Yeah. Would be prone to the only places rich enough to buy Netflix at this point right now. So anyway, they could if they can acquire Star Wars, they can acquire Netflix. Although yeah. they, you know Star Wars might have been their big buy for a little while. <laughs> well, yeah, they may they may wait until Star Wars starts turning them some significant profit and then say, okay, now let's go out and acquire something else. Tanya, it's DC, just saving up. All that would right. be funny if if like. Disney made enough money off Star Wars to buy Superman. <laughs> They're just the hostile takeover of all the great superheroes. Yeah, be great. We finally get our amalgam universe. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think we've seen enough of the amalgam universe to be honest with you. Yeah. X Patrol. Yeah, Dark Horse. What was it? Spider Boy. Spider Boy. Uh, some of that stuff was Thorian or Thorian. Orion. I'm gonna Thorian you. Sounds like something you get a pain in. <laughs> I get a pain in my Thorian. Thorian. Oh. Then you have to have a Thorianectomy. Yeah. <laughs> Pull out my Bajolner. Oh. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of DeManzocor of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.